What's going on, Card Nation? Welcome to another episode of The Breakdown here on a Thursday night. Episode 61 of the show. Taylor Lynch with you as always. You know how to get in touch with us, guys. Hit us up on Twitter at The Breakdown UL, at Taylor Lynch, at Lewis Metzinger. And make sure you share the podcast out. We've got a great show lined up for you tonight. We're going to take a look back at week one in college football. We'll take a look at the updated AP Top 25 here from Bobby Petrino and North Carolina head coach Larry Fedora. We'll also be joined by Evan Davis of Tar Tar Heel Blog of the SB Nation family as he'll join us to discuss this weekend's matchup between the Cards and the Tar Heels. And, of course, you'll hear our predictions for this weekend in college football. So let's get started, though, taking a look back at the weekend that was week one, and what a fantastic week one it was. I mean, when you can start on a Thursday and end on a Tuesday, or end on a Monday night, sorry, that is a good college football weekend in my opinion. And we had some really good games, and we had some games that were not so good. Um, As far as big takeaways from week one, I think for me, it was, I had two. First takeaway from week one is anybody that thought that Tom Herman was going to walk into Texas and in the course of a few months, become a Big 12 title contender was sorely mistaken because when you look at the way they were dominated by Maryland, 51-41 to 41 at home in your home opener, it was, I, I was astonished. I thought it would be a good game, but I, I thought Texas would would win. I certainly did not see them getting torched the way they did by Maryland and Maryland hanging 51. 51, the most, uh, I believe, Texas has surrendered in a season opener. Uh, It was incredible to watch. And I think that Anybody, like I said, anybody that thinks that Tom Herman was just going to come in and, and wave this magic wand and and everything was going to be great and Texas was going to become a contender, Texas is going to have a lot of work to do. And I think that anybody that wanted to blame Charlie Strong and and you know criticize the coaching job that he did, I think maybe you take a step back because you got the guy that you wanted. And your first game was just as bad as your last game. Maybe even a little bit worse. So, I... That one that one surprised me. So, so Texas maybe not as far along as everybody hoped they would be. And I think Georgia Tech is a legit contender in the Coastal Division this year. And maybe in the ACC, given what happened... Uh, with Florida State and DeAndre Francois, I think that, I mean, Georgia Tech looked awesome last night. They ran the ball all over Tennessee. Now, granted, Tennessee did come back and win the game, um, but, I mean, man, that triple option attack, uh, 
for Georgia Tech is deadly this year. Um, they were just doing whatever they wanted. They ran the ball whenever they wanted to. Um, they have a quarterback that showed he has a bit of an arm and can make some throws down the field. Uh, some touch passes, that one right over the shoulder where his receiver was the only guy that was going to get it, uh, was beautiful last night. And again, Georgia Tech does lose in, in double overtime to Tennessee. Um, but still, just, gosh, what a game last night. Uh, what an absolute barn burner between those two teams. Um, a really, really good game. A fun game to watch, uh, but Tennessee does go on to win. But I do think that uh, that Georgia Tech team is going to be a team that's going to make some noise uh, in the ACC this season. Some other notable scores. North Carolina drops their opener to South Carolina 28-35. to Michigan gets the win over Florida 33-17. to um, Kentucky does pull out the victory on the road 24-17 to over Southern Miss. USC survives a little bit of a scare, uh, 49-31 over Western Michigan. And I'm trying to see if we've got some other notable scores. Of course, everybody knows the Alabama 24, Florida State 7. The big loss, though, in that one for Florida State is DeAndre Francois. Starting quarterback will not play the rest of the season after a knee injury. Um, not good. You'd never want to hear that. Um so that was that was not a not a good thing for Florida State, and it's gonna. We'll see how they rally. We'll see how things go for them now. The rest of the season, um, another really good game this weekend. I I guess you could call it a good finish. We'll call it a good finish. Uh, it was UCLA Texas A and M. This one A and M in the fourth quarter is dominating UCLA on their home field. It's forty four to ten Aggies. This thing's on cruise control. And all of a sudden, UCLA comes roaring back in the third and fourth quarter. Josh Rosen, I think, throws four touchdown passes in the fourth quarter. And UCLA comes back and wins it 45-44 to over Texas A&M. If the seat was hot for Kevin Sumlin before the season started, it is on fire right now because his team gave up a 44 to 10 lead on the road on the road at UCLA gives that up and allows the Bruins to come back a fantastic win for UCLA a program building team building morale building win for them at home as they win 45 to 44 over AM. But man, Kevin Sullivan's going to have some questions to answer this season. That is for sure. And then, of course, Virginia Tech gets the win over West Virginia 31 to 24 in what really was a good game. Back and forth, a fun one to watch, a rivalry that I think we should see uh, more and more uh, between these two teams. A really good game. Uh, Will Greer looked great for West Virginia. Um, Jackson looked really good for Virginia Tech. So that the Tech is going to be a fun team to watch too in the Coastal. That Coastal Division race between Miami Tech and Georgia Tech is going to be a lot of fun to watch this year, and we'll see how that whole thing pans out. Um, so that's kind of your, your weekend recap. Uh, as far as game picks go, Lewis takes week one. Um, he had... The Michigan pick correct, LSU, Virginia Tech, Tennessee, um, Ohio State, and 
those, yeah, those were his five. Um, he picked NC State, he picked A&M, and picked Florida State. I, on the other hand, four and four on the weekend. I had Michigan, LSU, Virginia Tech, and UCLA, uh, but I had Georgia Tech, Indiana, Florida State, and NC State. So yeah, go ahead and make fun of me. So Lewis takes week one uh, with his record now at five and three. I am four and four to start the week or to start the college football season. So that's how we did there. Uh, not great, but I will make a comeback. It's not, you know, it's just a one game lead for Lewis. So I will make my comeback. I'm feeling pretty good uh, about the picks this week, and we'll get to that uh, later on in the show. So Louisville and Purdue Saturday at Lucas Oil Stadium. It was not what I think we expected. Uh, well, I know it was not what we expected. Um, and I think now that the dust has settled, we can we can talk about this game and from a more rational standpoint because I think everybody was ready to throw themselves off of the top of Lucas Oil Stadium uh, after last Saturday night. Uh, the Cards do get the victory, thirty-five to twenty-eight over Purdue, but a lot to be desired uh, leaving the stadium on Saturday night. I think that you did see some good things. You saw some good things defensively. Um, You saw some very good things from Lamar Jackson. Of course, I mean, he was amazing, um, as we come to expect from him. But I think you saw some maturation uh, in his ability to get out of the pocket, scramble, and still look downfield and find open receivers. Uh, And he did that. I think his receivers looked really good. I think the offensive line from a pass protection standpoint looked really good. Gave him a good pocket to work out of. He was not sacked at all uh, in that game Saturday night. So I think pass pro-wise, the team, the offensive line looked really good. Run blocking was atrocious. Running in general was just bad. This the, the Louisville offense has got to clean that up. Um, if if this team is going to be dominant moving forward and win a lot of games this year, we have got to find some semblance of a running attack that is not just Lamar Jackson. And if I'm Bobby Petrino, Jeremy Smith does not touch a football again this this season. It does it just it does not happen. You do not touch the football. Um, you do not fumble on the one-yard line and touch the football again. I'm sorry. It just doesn't happen. Um, Colin Wilson cannot get healthy fast enough. Um, but I, I think that he will add some pop uh, to this running attack. But I do think I mean, Reggie Bonifon at times looked really good, uh, had a couple really good runs. We need more of that, though. Um, we need the offensive line to make some holes, and we need to find – a running back or a group, I don't care at this point, but the running game has to improve, and the penalties have got to, that number has got to go down. I mean, it plagued Louisville last year, and it looks like it is going to plague Louisville again this year, and I hope that is not the case. Uh, And Bobby Petrino spoke in his uh, press conference on Monday, about what was happening with all of the false starts, um, and basically it was Robbie Bell at center was he would call out the protection, 
and then he's just supposed to Lamar claps and they snap the football. Well, Lamar would clap, the defense would switch, Bell would call out what the new defense was, and everybody's going because they hear the clap, and then you have a false start. So uh, Petrino says that's fixable. Um, If that is fixable, it seems like it's something that could have been fixed on Saturday night. Um, But we'll see. He says it's fixable, and I don't think that it's not, but... I we will see we will see but that definitely has got to be fixed those penalties uh the false starts it's got to be fixed because you're shooting yourself in the foot when you do stuff like that uh and the the ball security is still an issue it was an issue last year it's an issue again this year um can it be fixed is what we will see and I think we'll know a lot about this team uh heading into this weekend as they travel to Chapel Hill to take on the North Carolina Tar Heels um, at the end of the day, a win is a win is a win. The cards are 1-0. Uh, it's easier to talk about the game and talk about the things that need to change and the things that need to be worked on um, when they're 1-0. So I think we do need to keep that in mind. Uh, keep in mind that it is the first game of the season. There are a lot of new faces on the offense, uh, a lot of guys that are you know learning as they're going. Uh, and I think a lot of guys that really had big games. Des Fitzpatrick comes to mind, first of all, as a guy that had a monster game for Louisville. Uh, they need some guys to step up at wide receiver, and Fitzpatrick did that uh, in that game. And I think on the defense, some guys, some young guys, uh, Treshawn Smith makes a fantastic interception in the end zone um, and really goes a long way to sealing this victory for Louisville. So I think defensively, the cards looked good. I think that there was no point in the game Saturday night that you saw guys out there confused, didn't know what was going on. And you saw that a lot last year, and you've seen it in previous years under Todd Grantham. Guys just don't have a clue what the defense is, what the play call is, and what they're doing. Um, But I think you saw guys out there playing confident, knowing what they were doing, knowing where they were supposed to be, and just out there flying around and making plays. I would like to see them get in the backfield more. I think there were times where it looked too easy for Purdue and that they had too clean of a pocket. Now, you can also say that there was a lot of holding on Purdue that was not called. Uh, But as Herb Street says, there's holding on every play. It's just never called. But there was a lot of grabbing uh, by that Purdue offensive line that I don't think was called. But still, with that being said, you should still be able to shed some blocks and get in the backfield a little more than they did on Saturday night. So we'll see that. I'll be looking for that to to change as we move forward this season and see a, a little bit more pass rush uh, being created. But all in all, a good performance by the defense really came in clutch at the end of the game. Um, and for the exception of the fumble and the false starts, I mean, like I said, good run or good pass protection for Lamar Jackson. He had a good pocket to work in all night long, basically. Um, Obviously, stellar play from him, stellar play from the wide receivers. Got to find a running game somewhere, somehow, that's not just Lamar Jackson. So let's transition now, kind of put a bow there on week one. Let's transition now to week two. And first of all, let's take a look at the new AP Top 25 released on Tuesday instead of Monday because... Monday was still technically week one. So Tuesday, the new AP Top 25 poll was released. 
and it looks something like this. And no surprise here, Alabama checks in at number one after their win over Florida State. Ohio State at number two, Clemson up to the three spot, Penn State at number four. Oklahoma checks in at number five, so we have a top five matchup at the shoe this weekend. USC at number six, Washington, sorry, at number seven, Michigan at eight, Wisconsin at nine, Florida State down to 10, Oklahoma State at 11, LSU at 12, Auburn at 13, so a top 15 matchup between Auburn and Clemson. Stanford at number 14, Georgia at 15, Miami at 16, Louisville down a spot to 17, Virginia Tech up to 18 after their win over West Virginia, Kansas State at 19, Washington at 20, South Florida at 21, Florida down to 22. Entering the top 25 this week, two teams here, TCU at 23, Notre Dame at 24, and holding their spot At number 25, the Tennessee Volunteers. So now that we know where the cards are ranked heading into this weekend, let's hear what head coach Bobby Petrino has to say, not only about this weekend's game between the cards and the Tar Heels, but also about how his team played last weekend against Purdue in Indianapolis. Here's head coach Bobby Petrino. We do have some things to clean up, uh, starting with penalties and, and, uh, you know, fumbles, get a score when you get to the one-yard line. We're certainly going to work hard on those things. Uh, we're going to work hard on a lot of things to get ready for this weekend to go on the road and, and play a North Carolina team that um, looks good on video. Yeah, one of the things that he's been doing a great job of and we're working hard at it is we're, we're trying to put the ball on the goal line between the numbers and the sideline and trying to improve on our accuracy um, from a year ago where a year ago it was just about, you know, getting it down close to the goal line. He has the strength now, so um, we're working harder on the accuracy. On that one, he just gave it a little yet extra little uh, chunk to it, like you do on the golf course, you know, so. <laughs> and I do. But, Yeah, you know, that'll be interesting in this game because, uh, you know, they played against a team the other night that, that uh, or the other morning, it's noon our time, I guess, that um, really threw the ball. And they worked extremely hard on their pass defense, and they did a good job of their pass. How that will correlate to how they play us will be interesting to see. How are they going to rally it from there? I'm hoping we don't have to. <laughs> you know, really what you do, and, and obviously we were through it a couple years ago, you know, when we started out 0-3 and, and had some tough, tough losses. Uh, you just stick to what you believe in and, and work on getting better. And that's what I was really proud of that team was that we got better as the year went on, um, kept improving, kept competing. The leadership kind of changes around a little bit on the team. Um, and the guys that really cared the most took over the leadership. And by the end of the year, you know, we beat A&M in the bowl game. So it's just the ability to improve and practice is something that you have to, to be sold on. And I think our coaching staff and our strength staff uh, and our players that understand the grind and, and are sold on, let's go to practice and get better. Good stuff there from head coach Bobby Petrino. You heard him talk about how – good this North Carolina team looks on film from what he's seen so far. So 
to shine a little more light on this North Carolina Tar Heels football team, we welcome in our friend Evan Davis of Tar Heel Blog there for SB Nation covering the North Carolina Tar Heels. All right, Evan, welcome into the program. How's it going, man? Good. Thanks for having me back. Hey, not a problem. Uh, So Tar Heels and Cardinals getting it going this weekend in Chapel Hill. But before we get into that, we got to talk about last weekend. The Tar Heels dropped their opener to Cal 35-30. to Evan, give me the good, the bad, and the ugly from this weekend for North Carolina. Well, certainly the good is the freshman duo at running back Michael Carter and Jordan Brown. Really a breakout game for Michael Carter, and he was a guy I had my eye on coming into the game just because of the question marks in the backfield but he ended up with 94 yards two touchdowns averaging 8.5 yards a carry so he had a really great performance in his very first he's a true freshman very first collegiate game the bad well there's still some questions at quarterback coach fedora said on monday that there was not a decision for the louisville game for the starter in the cal game both Brandon Harris and Chaz Surratt rotated at quarterback, and there was a big difference between the two. Brandon Harris just had 60 yards, two interceptions, no touchdowns. Chaz Surratt, a lot more efficient. I think he was around 64 65% completion percentage, 161 yards, a touchdown. Uh, he had something like 16 carries. 66 yards and a rushing touchdown so a big difference in the performances but still no answers there and then the ugly well you got Jalen Dalton and that's twice in three games going back to last season he's been ejected for targeting Mm. so he's gonna be out first half and uh, that was really the turning point for the game at that point it was 17-7 Carolina It was a third and 12, and the quarterback for Cal, Bowers, he was out to the side running. We got the third down stop, but that targeting call negated it. And then the very next play, the Tar Heels give up a 67-yard touchdown, and that uh, they they weren't the same from that point on. Mm. A rough weekend in Chapel Hill, that's for sure. But some bright spots, some some things to be encouraged about. Um, you talked about the quarterbacks there, 18 of 28 for Surratt, uh, 161 in the touchdown, and then, of course, getting it done on the ground as well. Um, were you kind of surprised? Because I, I think when, when Brandon Harris announced that he was going to transfer and he was going to Carolina, um, and then, of course, Trubisky's gone to the NFL, I think that the – the overwhelming assumption was that Harris was going to step in and and be that starting quarterback, at least from the outside looking in. Um, That's what a lot of people expected. Um, Any surprise to you that Harris was just kind of ineffective when he got out there? Well, I don't know if surprise is the right word, but you kind of knew going in that with him missing the spring game, not being able to get on campus until the beginning of summer, uh, there was a big learning curve there. It wasn't like it was uh, a lateral entry with offenses and that type of thing. It was a whole new system than what he had at LSU. So you knew there was going to be some some learning curves there, some growing pains. But that performance with, with two interceptions, and especially when you have one that's 
right there in the red zone, you're, you're on the cusp of scoring. That, that's just a backbreaker. Now, for Surratt, I was I was at the game, and this is just me looking at him. First time he came on the field, the third drive, he, he looks like he's put on some weight. And the way he was able to pull it down if he needed to when it was a passing situation. Uh, now, it was something like 18 of the first 22 offensive plays for Carolina were runs, designed or not. Mm-hmm. So I think there was some built-in cushion there for him to get comfortable. And I know during his post game, he said that once he finally got hit, get that adrenaline pumping a little mm-hmm. bit, able to settle down and uh, really um, gather himself after that. So I think once he got that little little knock, you know, he was ready for for the game. So I, I was very impressed. Uh, with how he was able to utilize the option. That was something I, I didn't see coming. And, uh, I, you know, we'll see what happens uh, in a couple days here. But uh, I suspect Surratt will uh, get plenty of opportunities to take that uh, job for himself. It looks like on defense for the Tar Heels, I know that a big focus, and, and we talked about it earlier in the summer, was to improve that pass defense. And it looked like at times in the game uh, against a Cal team that really wanted to throw the ball around, it looked like that Carolina pass defense did improve some. Uh, Malik Carney, Jason uh, Strobridge, and Andre Smith named uh, to that pro football focus uh, week one all ACC defensive team. So a good uh a good performance, I think you could say, from the Carolina defense. You agree? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the the issue to me was giving up the big plays, mm-hmm. and that was something that, and not to to harp on uh, the the new players uh, on both sides. I mean, it was the defense that was needed to step up just because of the question marks you had on offense and those big plays, they just didn't do it. Uh, there was a touchdown, like I mentioned for 67 yards. There was another one for 40, 54, I think. And then there was over, uh, gosh, it was five or six plays for over 20 yards. Uh, you just can't have that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the good side of it was we've, doubled the number of interceptions from last season, had two in the first game, <laughs> had one the entire season last year, had to wait till the 11th game to get that one. So that was certainly an improvement, but just the, the Cal receivers were able to make space. They were able to capitalize on those big plays, and those were back-breaking plays. I mean, it's just you can't be giving up these 50-plus yard touchdown passes and expect – your team's morale and the crowd to stay in it. So it was really a mixed bag. I was really disappointed in the defensive line. I felt as though there were some uh, chances there to get some pressure on Cal's quarterback, Bowers, try to get a body on him, something to disrupt the passing game, especially when they uh, got those couple big yardage gains in the first half, and uh, they just weren't able to do that. So, um I don't know. Maybe we'll just have to see how. And and I watched the first half of the Louisville Purdue game. So uh, that, bless your heart. <laughs> well, you know, and there was there was mixed mixed plays in there too. You know, obviously the fumbles that's a big cause of concern. But but when Lamar Jackson uh, was able to get out of pocket 
and his receivers uh, were able to get some space there. I mean, uh, there's several drives there, very efficient, and that that just uh, I could just see those types of drives slicing up the the Carolina defense. Evan Davis, our guest here, Tar Heel Blog, joining us talking about this North Carolina Louisville matchup coming up this weekend. Uh, all right, Evan, let's get into this matchup primarily a little bit here. Um, Larry Fedora met with the media on Monday and, and spoke um, eloquently about Lamar Jackson and, and the issues that they will have and, and what they will do um, to try to slow him down. What do you think the game plan will be for the Tar Heels going into this game, especially on the defensive side of the ball, dealing with Lamar Jackson? Well, I think, again, it comes down to the secondary closing the gaps because Cal was able to create that space in the open field. And with their quarterback, who was in his first start in college, he's a, he was a redshirt sophomore coming into it first time. I think he had maybe had one or two drives uh, in the past season, but never starting. And he was just able to slice and dice. So I don't know what's going to happen with the, the defending Heisman winner out there. So I, I, I think it comes down to the secondary being able to close the gaps. And then with, I, I don't know how they're going to do it, but either a, a shadow, some way being able to contain Jackson off the edges uh, you know that that's a that's a team effort with the line getting the right kind of pressure, but not getting too far in the backfield. So I would suspect that the, the defense is going to give some cushion, especially at the beginning, just to take away the big plays that really tore them apart in the cow game. I would have to imagine looking at the way that game went last week for Carolina that Surratt is going to get I would think his fair share of the first team reps this week in practice and and likely his fair share of the playing time uh, against Louisville on Saturday Um, with that being said and and correct me if I'm wrong because I've I've been wrong before (laughs) but um, how what do you think the approach is going to be for Carolina on offense Um, given the way I mean Louisville played pretty well especially the end of that Purdue game uh on defense mm-hmm. it was really flying around it and really making some some big plays so what do you think will be that that plan for Carolina on offense well with Louisville having three picks in the last game and Brandon Harris throwing two against Cal mm-hmm. uh, that's that's got to be a concern so with Surratt being able to make more use of his dual dual purpose capabilities there. I mean, I, like I said earlier, him with the option, something I didn't necessarily see coming, and I did not expect it to have so much success. I know one of Michael Carter's touchdowns was off the option, mm-hmm. and uh, I think his, uh, I think it was forty-seven yards that was off an option there. So um, I would suspect. I don't know about the first half, but certainly by the second half, especially if Carolina is within reach, you got to settle on a guy because that was something that Harris talked about in his post game, not being able to get the type of rhythm that he felt he needed to be comfortable and, and get a feel for the Cal defense. So unfortunately, I think they're still going to rotate 
and I, they'll probably rotate throughout through the end of the month, at least to the Duke game. I, I, I don't know. But in the first half, you're going to see the rotation, and they're probably going to have a set rotation like they did in the Cal game. It's going back to the, the reason behind bringing Harris in. You know, go after the grad transfer, you expect him to be the guy under center. Right. So I think there's still a little bit of that going on. And I, I just don't see them sticking to a guy throughout that whole game. It, it, it's going to be a rotation, I would say, throughout. But, uh, you know, based on the last game, I would choose Surratt, especially with the type of defense we saw against the pass Louisville had against Purdue. I mean, three interceptions, that, that's big time. Evan Davis, our guest here, Tar Heel blog of SB Nation joining us on the show. All right, Evan, so Saturday in Chapel Hill, noon kickoff for the Cards and the Tar Heels. When you look at this game, what are you expecting to see between these two teams? Well, I was sitting there, and unfortunately my seats are in the sunny side. (laughs) And I was sitting there because it was misty, overcast, raining, when I was walking into the game, and then by the second quarter and on through, it was just, we like to call it the surface of Venus, these <laughs> September noon games in, in, in Keenan. So I, I was not very optimistic walking out of there last Saturday. And we know what kind of talent Jackson has. If they can limit those turnovers. Good insight there from Evan. Always love having him on the show. Again, Evan Davis, Tar Heel Blog, joining Mm -hmm. us here on the breakdown, previewing this weekend's matchup between the Cards and the North Carolina Tar Heels. We'll keep the info and the previewing and all of that rolling here as Larry Fedora sat down and met with the media as well on Monday. uh, And here's what he had to say uh, about the matchup with Louisville and and, uh, primarily stopping Lamar Jackson. My gut is telling me it might be one of these uh, 2013-14 Fedora-era games where it's going to be a shootout. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if the the Carolina defense can can make the make those types of timely plays. And the the biggest concern with limiting those big plays. And of course, Jackson has big play potential. We've seen it. We saw him last game, and of course, all last season. So, you know, that it's the defense is going to have to step up and make those big plays. And if the offense can can find a rhythm. Then, then maybe we can have a little shootout. Evan Davis, our guest here, Tar Heel Blog, breaking it down for us. All right, Evan, take care. Hold down the fort. We appreciate your time joining us on the show today. Be well, and uh, we will be talking to you on down the road. Sounds good. Once again, thanks for having me. And uh, if you want to check out some of our coverage on Tar Heel Blog, I'll be doing an article coming out today. Thursday about the key players of the game so be sure to check that out and um, I'm sure we can get together to uh, recap sometime yes sounds like a plan and what is the the Twitter handle for not just for you but for Tar Heel blog as well so mine is Evan THB and then for Tar Heel blog it's 
Tario Block. So pretty easy to find there. Awesome. There we go. Again, thanks so much, Evan, for taking some time, and we'll be talking to you, brother. Sounds good. Thank you all. All righty. Always appreciate Evan taking some time to join us on the show and preview the matchup this weekend. Cards and Tar Heels, the ACC opener for both schools, taking place in Chapel Hill. Uh, I got to admit, after listening to Evan, I do feel a little bit better about the Cards' chances here in this one. Um, But we shall see. I mean, I think that Louisville is definitely going to be able to to make some plays against this pass defense for North Carolina. And Evan is worried about the defensive line and and their play, and and if he's worried about it as somebody that has watched them and and seen it, then I like to think that that's something that Lamar Jackson and this Louisville offense is going to be able to take advantage of. So I mentioned there uh, with Evan about the Larry Fedora press conference and how he talked about Lamar Jackson, and we actually have that for you guys. So right now, I will play a little bit of sound here from North Carolina head coach Larry Fedora as he previews this weekend's matchup between the Cards and Tar Heels. What are some of the the bigger challenges to trying to defend Lamar Jackson? I mean, the guy is, you know, he's a reigning Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, uh, he was the best football player in college last year. So, I mean, the guy can... You know, he can beat you with his arm, and he can beat you with his legs. I mean, he's a phenomenal player. Uh, the scheme that they run with him takes advantage of all of his skill set. And, uh, you know, you're going to have to be really sound in your rush lanes. Uh, you know, you are going to have to be under control because if you give him a lane, you know, uh, and people are covered, he's going he's gonna to beat you. How you rush him as far as you got to really squeeze the lanes and try to, yeah, you got to try to keep him in there. You know, you got to contain him. You can't just, can't get too far up the field. So, yeah, you have to be very controlled in those rush lanes. Is that anything different though than you would do normally? Or you know, sometimes, a emphasis, with a, when you have a quarterback that's not mobile, you can, you can turn it loose a little bit more. You know, but when you got a guy that can, that can break your back with his, with his legs, I mean, you have to be much more controlled. You got to constrict the lanes. Was I expecting it? Uh, I expected our running backs to get some catches because of what we were going to do in the game plan. Plus, I thought the quarterbacks did a nice job of checking the ball down, you know, which is which was really good to see that, that they didn't force things and they checked the ball down when they needed to. No, no, I don't expect him back this week. After that, when you look at someone like Lamar Jackson, I think he had like 92 percent. He accounted for 92 percent of their yards the other night. Have you faced a guy that is that involved with everything that they do? I mean, I've faced some good players, but I mean, I, I, uh, I mean, he's a he's a phenomenal player. He really is, and 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 you know, he's a guy that uh, again, you know, you can do everything perfect, and he can make you look really bad. I mean, he, he can he can do some things. He's got some gifts that other people don't have. You know, he's, he's a pretty special player. When you've had continuity year to year of your system, you guys have been here a while, it's, it's one thing when you have a veteran team that already knows it. But does it help, I guess, that continuity when you're dealing with young guys and inexperienced? Like, I don't know, some type of structure around them that may help them succeed when they're yeah. inexperienced like they are? 
I think so. I think just the, having an established culture and the way we do things, you know, I think that gives them some, uh, uh, you know, relief or it gives them some confidence in that, you know, knowing there are things that they know the, that the, the way they're going to be in the program. And even though there's a lot of unknown for them because, you know, you get out on the field and everything's new to them, it's still there's a lot of things that, that they surround themselves with in the program that they know and it gives them a little bit of confidence, I think. What ways can you take advantage of Michael Carter's speed? Uh, you, you, I mean, you do the things that we're doing with him. I mean, uh, you know, Mike can, uh, Mike can run. Him and Jordan are, are both can run. I mean, they, they both have plenty of speed, you know. So, I mean, we're doing the things that we feel like we can to take care of, you know, to uh, take advantage of that. So uh, we've got to make sure we get hats on people and, and get them to that second level so that they can, uh, they can, you know, they can make things happen. How did Tomon Fox play in his first game, and did anybody else on the D-line stand out? Malik Carney really stood out. Yeah, he was the guy that, that was the constant pressure. When there was pressure, which uh, there were a lot of times that he was right there. He was very close. He was the guy that was the most consistent. You know, Tomon uh, needs to shake off some of the rust. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He can, he can play much better than he did. How would you evaluate him? I thought they did okay. You know, uh, you know, uh, Coach Brewer's pretty hard on them, and, and what his expectation is. I thought Prohl did a nice job. You know, uh, we had a we had a couple balls that were dropped that shouldn't have been. Uh, Thomas Jackson played hard and, and uh, is always going to play hard. You know, those guys blocked on the perimeter. I thought they did a nice job of doing that. We got to make more. Uh, we got to make more competitive catches. You know, we had uh, an opportunity down on the one end zone down there. Uh, didn't make one, had one down here with Anthony Ratliff. Uh, we didn't make that play, you know, so we got to make those plays. We heard a lot about Perry and I don't know what the, uh, I, don't, I don't know how many plays they played. I know Daz did not get in the game, and I think Daz will, he'll get into the game. It's coming. Uh, you know, just uh, again, you know, for all these guys, I tell them all the time, it's uh, you prove that the unit's better when you're on the football field. And you got to be be dependable. I mean, that's the most ability you have is dependability, and so that has to happen. And the coach has to believe that he's not going to just put you out on the field to see what you might do. Coach, I know his schedule it is what it is, but he just talked about just playing a uh, a conference game. You know, usually some teams wait until you know fourth week or whatever, but you got one in the second weekend. It's a little yeah, I think it's uh, I think more of that's coming in the future, especially as uh, you know as we launch the uh, the ACC network. I think uh, there'll be more conference games earlier in the year, and so I think uh, you know they started pushing our schedule that way this year, along with the entire league. And I think uh, you're going to see more and more of that in the future. I mean, you know, you got to be ready to play. You know, you got your your team. You 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 don't have those. Uh, Preseason games or those games that you get to, uh, you know, figure a lot of things out. You you gotta you gotta be more like midseason form earlier in the year. So there's head coach Larry Fedora of the North Carolina Tar Heels as he previews this week's matchup between the Cards and the Tar Heels. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting there. You got to hear his take on the opening. Uh, the season, well, opening the conference season relatively early, the second game of the year for both teams, and 
and how he thinks that you know it has a lot to do with the ACC network coming and they need product and they need games and so they're going to go ahead and try to do it now. I do think that that sounded like a coach that is unsure of what he has right now, um, especially going into this week against Louisville. And you heard his his glowing remarks there about Lamar Jackson and, and the way he plays and, and the, the things that they're going to have to do to try to scheme against him. So I think it's going to be a good game. Um, I think it's going to be there will be parts of this game that will be challenging for Louisville. I think the atmosphere, um, at, at being a conference road game, it's it's going to be a, a challenge for them. But I think it's going to be a good game. I'm looking forward to, to this one this weekend. That is for sure. So with that being said, um, it's kind of time to start talking about this weekend a little bit and some of the other games that are going on this weekend. That's right. It's our time of the show where we make our predictions for this week. So Lewis did text me um, his predictions, so I'll give those to you as well. But we'll go through, I'll run down the games that we are picking this week. And it starts with Wake Forest and Boston College, 1 o'clock on the ACC Network on Saturday afternoon. BC right now is a one and a half point favorite. Um, I like the Demon Deacons in this one. I saw how many points they put up in week one. Uh, and I saw boston college in week one so with that being said i'm going wake forest this week uh to get the dub and start off their conference season um on the right foot especially uh, an acc atlantic matchup there uh the next one we're picking tcu and arkansas 330 on cbs tcu right now is a three-point favorite and i am one that thinks they should be more than that i'm going horn frogs on this one uh, Pittsburgh and Penn State, uh, the rivalry renewed again, 3.30 on ABC. Penn State, a 20-and-a-half-point favorite there in Happy Valley. I got to, as much as I want to go ACC on this one, uh, I'm going Penn State here to get the victory over Pittsburgh. This next one, it's Indiana and Virginia, 3.30 on the ACC Network. IU, a three-point favorite. Uh I like the Hoosiers in this one. Nebraska and Oregon, 430 on Fox. Oregon a 14-point favorite. If it's that close, Nebraska's lucky. I go Oregon on this one. A big one, 7 o'clock on ESPN Saturday night. It's the Battle of the Tigers, Clemson and Auburn. Clemson a 5.5-point favorite. They looked really good this weekend. I think the Tigers get it done in Death Valley. Give me Clemson over Auburn in this one. 30 minutes later on NBC, Notre Dame and Georgia square off. Notre Dame a four and a half point favorite. I think it could be more than that now with the health of the Georgia quarterback. I believe he's out for this game. Um, whether he's in or out, I know he's not healthy. So give me the Foyt Neudrich of Notre Dame in this one. USC and Stanford, 8.30 on Fox. USC a seven-point favorite. A shaky start against uh, Western Michigan in their own house. Come on, Trojans. Give me Stanford. The trees roll in this one. And Oklahoma and Ohio State in the shoe, 7.30 on ABC. Ohio State is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley roll into town and get the upset over the Ohio State University. Boomer Sooner 
Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley get the victory. So that's Wake Forest, TCU, Penn State, Indiana, Oregon, Clemson, Notre Dame, Stanford, and Oklahoma. My picks for this week. And let's see. Lewis is going Wake Forest, TCU, Penn State. So we're in agreement there. Indiana, agree there. Oregon and Clemson, agree there. But he has Georgia, USC, and the Ohio State, which he had to say the Ohio State because he knows it makes me want to vomit. So those are Lewis's picks. Uh, We'll see if I can gain some ground this week and uh, maybe pull ahead. We'll we'll see how that goes. Um, Again, I'm sure it's not going to go well for me because it typically never does go well. So, and then our game. Oh, man. Uh, Louisville, North Carolina. The cards shaky at times in that game against Purdue, uh, but they did get the victory. North Carolina at home drops to Cal 35-30. to They were killed by the big plays on offense. Louisville made quite a few big plays. Uh, or they were killed, North Carolina, sorry, on defense by the big play. Uh, and then Louisville made quite a few big plays uh, through the air offensively on Saturday night. North Carolina doesn't know what they want to do at quarterback. Uh, Surratt played well. Harris was a disaster. It seems like they're still going to shuffle between the two quarterbacks this week. That being said, I like the cards in this one. Give me Louisville 35-13. to 13. I know I sounded pretty pretty sure about that one, but I will say cards in this one, 35-13. I think the difference is going to just be the offense's ability to really make plays uh, and the North Carolina defense really struggling to limit the big play. Uh, it was a problem for them last year, and it was a problem for them again against Cal. Well, guys, that's all the time we have on the show for tonight. For Lewis, I'm Taylor. This has been another episode of The Breakdown. Guys, if you like it, make sure you hit the share button uh, if you're listening on iTunes and share this podcast out. We want everybody to hear it. Again, big thanks to our friend Evan Davis of Tar Heel Blog for joining us on the show. We will talk to you guys next week. Go Cards, beat Carolina. Before I'm paying on time, and I throw this truck in gear.